Hey everybody, welcome to the SAP, the Sex Actually podcast. It is your boy Dave Neal. We got a good one for you today, and my chat is with Tasha Corney, as always, and our friend Kyle Clark. Uh, we share a great conversation. We talk about gatekeepers and uh, busting through brick walls and getting the life that you want, self-actualizing. Uh, we even talk about mental health and how to learn from bad relationships, how to learn from bad communicating to become a better communicator, because isn't this whole podcast just about self-improvement? You know, we we don't want to make it too wishy-washy, but we're just trying we're just trying to be better versions of ourselves and live a happy life. And I think you're going to find that in this episode. If you want to make my life happier, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Give us a, a nice review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate that so much. And if you want, you can screen grab um, the episode titles and put it on your Instagram stories. Let your friends know what you're listening to. This is a good one. You might have some friends who can relate to this one or any past episodes. We've got. 374 of them and if you want to go above and beyond you know this is uh, we're approaching the one-year anniversary of our first patreon episode so you can go to patreon to get um, dozens of extra um, episodes and it must be like 60 or 70 hours on patreon now and you can support us that money goes directly into our pockets and helps us produce a better show because you know we don't charge for this stuff so if you're on the Patreon, you go to patreon.com slash the sap, patreon.com slash T-H-E-S-A-P. And that's a way that you can, again, uh, subscribe to the premium membership to get extra episodes. I do solo episodes, car cast episodes. Um, I do some more personal interviews, some things I just can't necessarily share with the public. I think you'll like them. A lot of the content's evergreen, which means, of course, you can listen to it whenever. And um, yeah, we really appreciate you guys um, and all the support that you've given. If you're in the Los Angeles area our next mimosa stand-up show will be february 15th the day after valentine's day so come on down to hollywood it's at noon it's a free show you can donate if you want some mimosas i provide the drinks and we have a fucking awesome time you want to hear some stand-up comedy bring your lady bring your guy bring your non-binary partner bring yourself who cares show up laugh it's good for the soul without further ado here is our chat with tasha courtney and kyle clark Yeah, I want to, let's just introduce it because I want to get right into everything. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Sap. As always, your boy Dave with Tasha Courtney and Kyle Clark. Hey, everybody. Thanks welcome. for doing the podcast today. I love we just spent 15 minutes on all of the gear here. I like having a gear junkie on oh, the podcast. And, and and you're talking to a brutal gear junkie. Like yeah. I, I started in music before I got into comedy and then kind of fell into comedy through trying to do film. And so it's just anything where there is dumb shit with a catalog that you can throw money at like yeah. i am i am very familiar but it used to be that where you had to like look at a catalog and now it's just all in your phone you're like wouldn't it be nice if they made a so-and-so and then you look it up and you're like they do and it's mine tomorrow oh, learning about <laughs> reverb was the devil and my brother works in in sound he's a sound engineer and and works for some companies that sell cabling and stuff so he hit me to that where you're just like now pricing stuff out i'm like i hate that this has become a hobby yeah like <laughs> like just weird keep following this stuff less even because i'm even going to use it and more just because like there's it's sports scores i like, watched a, a um, 
I watched a drone video that um, Casey Neistat made, and I was like, "Honey, we're buying a drone." Oh yeah, that Mavic Mini. I couldn't believe I it was only f- so hard to not buy it for four hundred dollars. We just got it. We it have fits it. into an. He's obsessed. Oh yeah, but oh. for our videos, I mean, it adds an element that is just really. We just went to Thailand in the fall, and I didn't have it for Thailand. I wake up with a cold sweat thinking of the shots we would have got with this oh. little drone. I, sh- I, sh- I used it the other day around the Hollywood sign. Not allowed to. I got twelve hundred feet away and four hundred feet high on this thing. Oh my! And it was God. still. It was still going but it lost radio signals so i would have had to trust that it would have found its way back yeah which they're supposed to get like four thousand feet away or something it's pretty it's supposed to go like almost a mile away i i yeah i it's so hard because like it's funny too because your brain goes like well now here's all these great things that i never thought of before now but now i need this <laughs> because i got to do these things i just thought of it's an addi- it's an addiction and luckily for us i think it's a serviceable addiction because like you know we were talking before we went on air you you record your your podcast mm-hmm. i'm sorry uh stand-up albums oh yeah with with your gear that is that it I do, it's the same setup i use for my podcasting stuff it's, it's I, amazing I change out uh i i do a split so that the house gets a separate signal because i just figured like as a guy who was a house sound guy it's way easier when like they just can do their own thing and not have to worry about my setup and then a couple of mics but like we've traveled around the country now doing it did you do you record these specials all in the same location or? no every time that's the fun challenge of it and it's kind of the my favorite part on the producing standpoint that and like just telling people that they're good enough like because i feel like every single person i've signed so far i've had the three in the morning phone call with them where they're just like who even am i where i'm just like i wouldn't have picked you if i didn't already know you were going to do a great job like that's my favorite second favorite is looking at a shithole room and just going all right how are we going to make this sound good and some places are easier than others and everyone has its own challenge like i did tom goss's album in chicago and the building was basically a long hallway so the first rough cut of it before i started that probably has the most mixing i had to mix that like it's goddamn john paul jones's drum (laughs) like and i'm i'm resampling part of it to put over here to make it not sound like the echo that for sure is there is happening like it's all these weird games with that you know versus like i did uh record keith carey's album at the chatterbox and chatterbox is a really great room sound wise but it's so small and people are so close to the mics that you really have to kind of ride because there's two or three drunk people on the edge who happen to be near a microphone where you're like, <laughs> please don't have a whole conversation about whether you walk the dog or not during my friend's album <laughs> what's crazy is technology is going in two ways you got the uh, you know we just started getting on tiktok so you got this crazy like coked up video just insane yeah. fast and then you've got all the new iphones and camera technology and then you've got podcasting which is obviously a huge thing and it's so simple yeah so it's like in, in with stand-up albums i started listening to moshe kasher's album he does this whole crowd work album tosh i really want i really think you would like an next road trip it's very simple and you're he, he's t- talking to the audience and when you're just listening to the audio your mind goes to a whole new place that you don't get when you're being fed a video so i almost prefer listening to stand-up than watching it. same oh a thousand and that's part of why i started the label was because i i very few specials have I ever actually sat down and watched, but like I listened to a ton of stand up albums even before I was doing stand up, and so it became this thing of like specials are so expensive, and I feel like they're so prohibitively expensive that a lot of comedians are like, Well, I can't possibly do any of this, but like there's so much you can do as long as you don't do a special in this industry, as far as like making albums and putting stuff out yourself or figuring out ways to like 
make a career for yourself where you don't need permission from Netflix or Comedy Central to like tell you you can do something. So, so I'm sorry. So you, did you start making albums just out of necessity? Like you had to do one for yourself? Yeah. I'm, I am a, I am a profoundly uncool comic. I'm comfortable with it. And, and I grew up in punk rock and putting out records and I had just been dropped from a manager and was like, I'm gonna do this record. I'm gonna do, learn how to make a record because I'm not gonna go, there's, it was, you know, height of the comedy boom. So it's like, there's, I'm not gonna, to start headlining anywhere here just because there's so many people and so it's like okay i'm gonna use this first one and i'm gonna learn how to write a long set and then i'm gonna learn how to make a comedy album and i did this whole one and i booked it a couple locations recorded that stuff out am i getting any juice no you're good okay cool can you hear yourself in your ears i can't but uh is this is this you right no, yeah, that's oh, not, wait, is that yeah, you that's me oh, you're good? okay sorry i should have tested oh, it's your, all good i should have tested your cans beforehand that's all good dave likes to have his mic louder than everyone else's mic it. And that's just, he has, I don't know if he doesn't know he does it or what, but there's a funnier I always die, have to tell There's him. a funnier die sketch about uh, Steve Carell needed his head to be larger than everyone else's in the <laughs> sketch. I'm not that way. It's just a different microphone. See, so it's funny because like when we podcast, I get everybody's levels and then I throw the headphones away. Oh, and that's I'm a smart just thing like, to do. I'm just like, this is, this is, you know, unless something, unless I can, because I have the VMU in front of me so that I can read it if something's really going wrong. But beyond that, like, I'm just like, uh, like, I don't, trust, I don't yeah. trust my, I don't trust my chords. That's what I, I'm just always like. What if? Oh you yeah, know, you got it. The doggles like lean on something. We hear a noise. Get out of here. You yeah. know. What I mean? No, but back to what you yeah. were saying. It is. We were just talking about this with a friend this morning. Um, a model friend of mine, and we were talking about how it's kind of amazing and beautiful that technology has gotten so good. Like iPhones, oh, yeah. picture is so beautiful that like you can shoot your own content. Same with like podcasting, yeah. uh, like w- sound quality, you know, is you can it, get inexpensive it, mics insane. that sound amazing. Oh yeah. You can get a light setup that looks amazing. And there's just, it, they've really put it in creator's hands and then there isn't yeah. that middleman like there used to be. We can make high quality content oh, yeah. without anybody else. And that's coming from... I mean, I keep saying punk, but also just like I've always had a real soft spot for like underground, the underground comic book industry or like indie film and stuff like that. And and not even just like Sundance, but like, you know, weird old New York, like Grindhouse independent film and like foreign independent film and stuff like that. And I just I've always believed that there's a like democratization to culture that is happening already. And we live in this mindset that somehow those bigger things that is that next level up is somehow more important than the things your peers make. And like, I think growing up, especially in bands where like the local bands that I liked to me were just as cool and just as like my heroes as like big bands I liked. There became less and less of a difference. And and really for a lot of the time that I was out at stuff, there wasn't a ton of difference, you know, between these two kind of levels and where people are playing and this kind of stuff. And it gave me this sense of like, you know, why do you need that stuff? And then getting into comedy was almost weird because like comedy is so the opposite, like, like, and, and entertainment at large, when you're actually trying to get into the industry, once I started doing that, really realizing that like, how much it is drilled into your head like that like validation only counts if it's from these big mom and dad sources Gate- gatekeepers yeah exactly yeah. we were i i'm by all means a horrible photographer i don't I've, yeah. that's not my thing but with tasha she models and her friend was modeling and yeah so we literally were saying the same thing like tasha mentioned where i was like man it's not that i don't think 
great photographers exist. I just know I'll get the shot. Yeah. You might have to sift through 900 photos. I'm no, shooting in sport mode. The whole time I'm like, well, I'll get the shot. I'm, I actually think I'm a good, I frame up very well for like film. I think I, I see, see have the same problem. A I'm a garbage photographer, but I think I have a decent eye when I'm setting up shots for film. Yeah. But, but photography. I like a long lens. I like the depth of field. And then Tasha, she looks at it from, which is an equal. Do you like like a fixed long lens or are you sitting I, on well, like, like a nice long with zoom? With this, it's a 16 to 50 and okay. then a 55 to 210. So I got this, I got like, I'm sitting like 150. Is that two lenses together? No, uh, this is the 16 to 50 and then there's a separate lens. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. So you pointed at it twice so I was like, is it a double zoom? <laughs> is he showing me a whole new run of things I'm about to look up? <laughs> Use my promo so code. <laughs> That's that, my phone's too far away. <laughs> I started including affiliate links into into the uh, YouTube videos because I talk about this shit so much and I'm like, I might as well make some money off of it. Well, you but, like uh, that AX7 that I keep thinking about getting. I just bought the uh, the Canon M, that first one that you can put Magic Lantern on because I've oh. had a T3i that I love, but like I was looking for something a little more low profile to take on the road because I want to take more photos. Well, the G7X that's on the chair over there, that's a good low profile one. It can you can like it's all it's yeah. Uh, mine's mine's uh, uh in the same family. As oh, that nice. One. Yeah, and that's that's great. And, and it it'll find the you one on that stage. Everybody does just like gold standard though. Yeah, it shoots in such low light. And, it's and funny it was this is from medium. 2015, so they haven't even made a newer model. It's not even like my son. So you know, like you know, high. F- it's not even like a touchscreen LCD or yeah. any of that stuff. But it's just a good camera. Well, so that was like mine. Like I was like, cool. I'm spending $150 by a Japanese body for a camera that came out in 2012 because I've seen weird YouTube videos of people getting cool stuff with it. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so I was just, you know, we were having this, because for me, it's just like brick walls aren't meant to keep you out. They're meant to show you how bad you want something. That's what Randy Posh used Ooh. to say. Or did you stand um, up in front of? Yeah. Or do a stand up. <laughs> we'll do a stand up in front of a brick wall. And it's just gatekeepers that want to tell you like, you know, they want to curate things for you. We see it all the time in industry where like, what list are you on? Yeah. What new face are you? And, and with- yeah. And to me, like, I am overwhelmed in, in, you know, I'll call it our scene because we're all hanging out with the same kind of people. Like, just the overwhelming sheer volume of talent around at all times. Just how many people are phenomenal comedians in a place that happens to be full of phenomenal comedians. So it's easy to get lost in this wash. But being able to, like, pick up, I think, like, Hooper was one of, is one of the best examples because now he's picking up speed you know, yeah. stuff like that. and people are starting to notice it. But like Alex Hooper has been one of the funniest human beings I've known for a decade, you know, and it's, it's interesting when you, you know, you watch a thing that you've known forever should be everybody's favorite thing. And now you're watching it get that way. And just the idea that like, you know, I'm glad that he's getting out there, but also part of me is just like, it's not like I, you know, you just hope that the narrative is just like, this person's just always been this good. It's not like they had something where they like jumped up and now the industry gets it. Like, it's just like they got smart enough to catch up with how good somebody like Alex Hooper is. And I think part of the beauty of aging is that you start to not want to wait in line any longer. Mm -hmm. So you start to make like decisions you might not have made when you're kind of fucking around. Like, right. We're, we're starting to do things, Tasha, that we probably didn't do five years ago. Interesting. I'm exact same way. We just started a Patreon on my show. Like I hit 30 and like a whole, you know, everything in my life really started to kind of change, you know, and some of it good and some of it like bad that ended up being good and things like that. But yeah, I do think that there is something about like, you said you hit 30. I thought I was thinking 30 Patreons. I'm like, oh, nice. You got 30. We have 18 Patreons. Love oh, you guys. See, this, was, this was the insane thing is like we'd been talking about starting Patreon for a long time and then kind of had to just like get the show into a place where we were all able to it got unwieldy and then like finally got back to it. And we we've hit. 
60 something patrons congrats in four days or that's something amazing like that. wow. 20 before we woke up the first day wow. and it's like so there is the market was ready for yeah you. and 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 it helps that like we knew we had people who would be interested because we have the the greatest fans on earth like every every person we have who comes on our show is like i got like actual twitter like followers off of the show and people who engaged with the thing i said i've done hundreds of podcasts this is the only time that's happened now you have a few podcasts right i have two um, so, I, I have, and then I produce a third. I produce the Jackie and Lori show with Jackie Cation and Lori Kilmartin. And I just, because it's like getting to go to comedy college, I get to listen to literally right. two of the greatest comedians of all time talk about comedy for an hour. And then I have This Is Rad, which I've been doing for six years. That's the one that just launched a Patreon and it's people come on. Actually, I kind of want both of you guys to come on. This would be delightful. I feel like there's a good episode about apartment decorating in here. Oh, yeah. Okay. I pick your brain. <laughs> this has become my new thing as, as a 30 year old comedian is meeting Martins who, uh, com- other comedians who have apartments in Los Angeles that don't make me want to kill myself yeah. and I've started meeting more and more people who are a little bit older and all of a sudden it's like oh look you learned how to decorate you bro pillows to everywhere pillows uh, are your you friend you bought a plant <laughs> <laughs> plants pillows uh, yeah I mean I've, I've uh, I don't know if other guests have discussed uh, like how beautifully designed your bathroom is but I literally oh, just stood there. oh thanks <laughs> my god that over well, that's, shelf so holy shit what so a you're, smart idea you're talking about so we don't have any there's no space here right there's no space we've had to just build space but then like I every and Nook you've and done it so well. I'm sitting for. on a I'm sitting on a storage bench right now. This, but, but in the in the bathroom, everyone who everyone is listening, come on by. We're in Los Angeles. Fine, just find us. We're on Hoover. Um, it, it's it's like an IKEA. We we bought two separate IKEA things and like because, screwed them together. Yeah, we knew exactly what dimensions we needed and how deep we wanted, and we couldn't find anything that was like exactly right. So we just mixed and matched, and we bought like the sides of one IKEA shelf and the That's and the brilliant. shelves it's of another industrial shelving that's behind the bath the, the toilet but if the toilet sometimes we have to jiggle the toilet and sometimes the chain goes wrong if that chain goes wrong we have to remove the whole oh, wall yeah. so whenever anything needs to be done if, if Tasha's ever looking for something like well we got to move the bed <laughs> yeah. things that we're thinking about getting a Murphy bed it's a whole thing but we're in that place where like I think we're here till we buy a home yeah. I think we're just here and and you guys are in the best possible scenario which is like couple together who can pair against a building I think it's always harder when it's like more than one person in a space oh, yeah. because yeah. then it's like oh well our stuff's clashing i feel like either alone you know like uh like i think joe dosh has a great design i love that i'm just ousting like <laughs> comedians in los angeles i know whose apartments i, I think, think are got nice i think <laughs> you got a netflix show like because and and your guys though again it's just like the the way i think the other thing that's really impressive about your guys place is you have a lot of light you guys have windows which yeah. is i feel like a very rare thing yeah like, yeah and this building over here because it's white it provides great you got bounce. Like a white bounce yeah. yeah because we actually don't get really any direct sunlight just the way we're facing i don't know are north. these the things that when you are together with a model you realize that they are smarter than you about well i'll be honest like you're gonna learn how light works i'll be honest with you she yeah she's good at like finding the natural light but that whole wall was red i've repainted all that white and this whole thing was repainted to a flat color because it was this whole place was like i didn't choose the paint color i know there when i moved this whole place was like a shiny glossy thing so whenever we turn lights on they would just bounce off the walls where you need a lot of light but to absorb it this is feng shui with dave and um but anyway she had a box tv there was other, she didn't have an air conditioner. Now we've got. I see oh, you AC's really like trying the, to take credit. No, for I, like, but, but I think what's beautiful is this is two people bringing their strengths together. Yeah, because I, I love I, this. Shit. I sleep like, hot. She, I don't know how she, she did summers over here, here. You know what I mean? Now we've got several ACs and it's and we don't pay for electricity. So now, it's like running. are you always cold? 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm actually, I would say no. I would say I'm just highly temperature sensitive. I'm either freezing or sweating. Oh, interesting. Like, okay. n- I'm never just chill. I, I have dated a profound number of women who run hot. I think that, like, I seem more desirable if you're a person who runs hot or who run cold because, or like, because I am very warm. And so, like, current girlfriend is, she's like, some of this is just because you're warm. <laughs> I'm always, I'm always coming home in the, temperatures at 84 yeah. i'm like i'm what are you doing in i here? like to turn it up really hot at night so that i can just like get cozy that's so awful like, that's a hell i bought her us i don't want to talk too much about this because we probably mentioned the last three podcasts but i got her a sauna blanket and you is that one of the weighted ones it's it's no although we have that as well it looks like I a, it looks like a lead blanket that you get at the dentist but it's a giant it's an infrared sauna burrito that's you, the best you, way you go into it with towels and into it it's interesting amazing you, like gross it, like, but interesting <laughs> like no, 150 so degrees there's this place um and i'm sure they have them all over the united states and i'm sure they have lots of other places like this but this is just the one um company that i know it's called shape house okay and there's one on in Larchmont right here um but you just pay to go in they wrap you up in the little burrito. They put headphones on you, give you a remote, and you turn on Netflix or whatever you want. So, so it's like a body sauna. Yeah, but it's just like your personal burrito. It's not like a hot room, yeah. and it's way less. It's way more manageable okay. temperature wise. Do you feel like you you're pulling toxins out and stuff like that? Absolutely. Because I'm a big Korean spa fan. Okay. This yeah. Is, this is again part of the turning thirty. Was deciding <laughs> that I I needed this this whole machine to like last a little longer than yeah. we were planning so like you're gonna optimize I changed my diet i changed like i have i have creams and and and, <laughs> and skincare shit like that this is like suddenly like start carrying where i came back in a real clutch time for me yeah, so sunblock like, is a lot a of uh you know like i did i did my, my charcoal and clay mask before coming over here when i was shaving getting ready Ooh, today like, don't yeah. you feel don't you feel like ripped off that no one was telling guys to take care of their face and things like yeah, that yeah I, mean, I mean i definitely feel like we would all have been too dumb to listen but i definitely also look back and go i wish i could have known some of these things when i was johnny gross boy in college <laughs> i was i used to go to tanning beds in college oh really yeah oh you were that <laughs> so weird and it, you know you, pay you should for- see some of his college photos like popped pink polo oh, collar <laughs> dave is a perfect example of a person who like if, if it weren't for comedy we would a never met and be potentially be on different teams in this world but well, that's the, what i love about comedy is that but hold on i was in band you know what i mean i was in i was a band oh, so you were like school. both so i yeah I did you were a like a weird both. hybrid yeah like i just i just like making friends I, was, <laughs> I wasn't really good at anything but i wanted to be in different circles and yeah i wanted You're real to, dale carnegie uh, guy I, yeah that's it i wanted to actually i, I was i was thinking of you uh earlier um because because I think there's two types of people that get into comedy. I think there's kind of like a dark sort of like expression to people. And then there's people that are likable and just want to be likable. And I, 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 I kind of think not really knowing you that yeah. you fall into that second category. I think so. But I also think like it comes from a dark place. I was thinking about that a little bit kind of coming over and stuff like that. That like comedy was such an accident for me to come into. I'm always amazed by the people who like knew they wanted to be comedians and started in comedy going like, I can't, this has been my dream since I was a boy. Not even slightly. Like I, I did stand up for the first time in 08 because it was the final for a class. At a class where the final was you did five minutes at the ice house. Wow. Really? Yeah. And I got invited to keep coming back, but I wasn't taking it super serious because I just like, you know, was still in bands and that was, that was my big way of trying to get attention and stuff like that. It was, I was like Mr. Music guy. And was like funny, but I was just funny because I was an incredibly insecure kid who grew up fat. So like that's, you know, the funny just comes from that. And then the band fell apart and I tried 
doing camera shit and I bought the nicest camera you could get on the market five, three months before the 5D came out. <laughs> and so then was sort of like, well, cool, I guess I'll go and then watched a couple of things go awry and was like, well, I guess that stand up thing's still a thing I can keep trying. So I started taking that serious and started hitting that. And that was maybe a couple years in. And but it it's uh, I like desperately seek approval like and yeah. i just like desperately want your attention and your She's looking at me. And, and i don't know what that's like at all so thoroughly i left talking to my therapist recently because i i did some shows in the beginning of december and then like my work was off and i was off of you know had done these shows and was just sort of home and i've got a bunch of family stuff going on. my mom just had a, a hip replacement and a bunch of so i was doing a lot of like family shit but got to January and had another round of shows to go out and do on the road. And I realized I had not thought about doing stand-up for a month. And it's the happiest I have been <laughs> quite a while. And, and then went back and did it. And like the sets went really well. And I really enjoyed it. And I like where my act is at. But also realized, like, oh, I'm fixated on this different than I have been in the past. And I was talking to my therapist about it. And I was like, you know, I feel like sometimes like stand-up really rewards your worst behavior, least healthy behaviors. She just started laughing at me and said, yes, that is correct. <laughs> and so like, I wouldn't give, you know, the last, you know, seven, eight years worth of like really going hard on all this for anything. I've met some of my best friends. I've, I've done three albums. Like I've got a job off of it. Like I'm, I've, I'm super fortunate and, and very grateful. And there's been, dizzying highs and some nightmarish kill yourself downs but you know overall it's affected who i've become as a person but at the same time like it's nice to get to a point in this business where like you're not constantly thinking about this business right well you know it's it, we have we have we have a friend we have a couple friends that are just you know, you know everyone's got a friend that's filthy rich and you're like mm -hmm. how do you even and I, I think about them a lot and not in an envious way but i go how do you even what what makes you happy? Like for me, what makes me happy is like overcoming these obstacles and working hard and and kind of like you know like I, I think if I think when when the money comes and all the opportunities come, it's just gonna be on such a level of uh, abundance of gratitude that yeah. I'm gonna have that I almost feel bad for people that are trust fund kids and it doesn't mean that they can't find happiness, but I'm like I don't think you get to see what it's like to really wonder if if and when it comes it's also weird when you ha they ask you that question like if you had like a, a million dollars what would you do and it's weird when you realize like oh i'd be doing largely the same thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like and 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 then you have that weird moment where you're like well i'm not i'm theoretically living my dreams now then but also like everything's not unicorns and and wonderful rainbows so it's like what does that say yeah <laughs> that my version of like what i would do still has a like not you know not noticeable amount of bad time to it yeah like we talk about this a lot with you know it once we find once we get the house we're gonna find another set of problems that we're gonna want to overcome well, that's just life are you guys I mean, like looking looking towards kids and stuff like that Right. Not in a rush. Well, we're gonna run out of time. Is what's gonna happen. I sent. But... I sent you. I don't know if you saw. I sent Tasha like a TikTok of a kid who got his leg stuck in his seatbelt yesterday, and and the mom's like, Jeremy, how could you? And I just sent it to her like, kids. It's like, no, it's not. You're gonna have to work to sell me a little harder on that. But I'm sure. I'm sure. When so the... you're very pro kids, and you're sort of like, ugh. I'm not really pro kids. I just don't like um, not having the option. Ah, okay. And I feel like we're starting. You know, we're starting to get a little older and just um, I think for me in particular with modeling modeling has much more of an expiration date yeah. than comedy or whatever else oh for sure um, and so I have started in the past 
you know, few years really started to focus my goals long term. Mm-hmm. Um, just making sure like, am I doing the proper amount of saving and like 401k contributing, you yeah, know, in definitely. these years to try and set myself up to be like good down the line. So, you know, we're thinking about a house. We're thinking about kids potentially. We're not in a rush for any of those things. But, but you're, I think you're it's not- important to like... So, if, if we want them to be a goal, put them on the timeline. You know, just the same way that you set up your vision board, yeah. with like your yearly goals, your five-year goals, your 10-year goals. goals. I, I don't want to let those things fall to the wayside. Uh, the, I'm fascinated by this. Do you find that there are other folks in your industry, like are there like the old school ones who would like pull you aside and tell you to do this? Is it like you and other model friends existentially realizing this at the same time and commiserating? Are you kind of on your own figuring this out because you're watching other people fuck their lives up? Well, I think it's a little bit of everything. I um, have always been very practical as a person. So um, I think that I naturally gravitate towards those things. But I've definitely had these discussions with my model friends and I have older model friends and younger model friends. Um, and everybody's doing just fine but, but uh, some of your older model friends have like uh, kids or in the second marriage i mean and some of them are married to very successful people and you know it's it's nice to see someone who's a few years down the road like that because models if you have a kid then you start going on mom castings you know what i mean like you don't yeah it's not it's not what you think it is like yeah you're not a, you're not you're not gonna run victoria's secret with three kids and you know unless that becomes but a there's a whole lot of red do. book that needs pictures yeah there's there's a ton of <laughs> there's a ton of, i mean they have ca- casting agencies someone's got to hold the pie in that women's day yeah <laughs> no seriously though it's true but they have agencies for expecting mothers yeah That's but thing. Uh, but just like being a model in the first place a lot of it comes down to luck so it's you got to be in the right place at the time right time yes there is an agency specifically called it's called expecting um that's amazing yeah expecting like, I, the, models that's the shit i love about this industry is like that there is companies that will have the market cornered in this wildly specific <laughs> yeah. thing there's some agent like, i got three twin models like <laughs> yeah no it really is so when all of my go- model girlfriends get pregnant you know they go and they you sign, sign out, yeah. with this agency but it is like specific you are gonna make the most money if you're like showing if you're about five months or six months in april you know what i mean not yeah. everyone can time their pregnancy oh you gotta to be, be five months pregnant in april so we have to have like a thanksgiving because spring is like a very mommy time i mean there's always work to be had but like you they want you to be showing yeah. not too showing not like bloated and like uncomfortable oh, yeah. looking but like a good amount of bump but and that's so like pro athletes are trying to have that off-season baby it's always shocking to me when a pro athlete has a baby during the season it's yeah. like you couldn't have planned this better <laughs> you know what i mean now you're laying down the, the lions over here because you gotta go I, I don't know but um but it is it's just you know just because you're working today doesn't mean that you'll necessarily be working in five years yes there is opportunity for sure but it's it's a small slice of the industry um so you know you want to hope for the best but prepare for the worst yeah you know he's a good podcast host because he's grilling he's he's asking us about our boring lives but i want to know because when i when i officially (laughs) met you here's what's interesting is i had done the um the nerd melt mic a few times you're you're one of those guys who was like like actually it's funny jen saunders and i were talking about this because we had a similar relationship for a long time to you where it's like a name that stuck out and I knew I'd seen you and that you were funny. So you're just like, there's like a check mark. Yeah. In my book. It's like, Dave Neal, cool guy. Say yeah. hi. We're like, we're like, yeah, we're like, you've been in my Facebook f- recommended friends yeah. for a while, but I try not to be creepy and friend people. Same. But maybe I did friend you before I knew you. I don't know. But, um, but yeah. And then we were, did a show together in, in Orange County a few months ago. And then, um, yeah, we, we met. And, but you had a, are you still dating the, the girl that I met? Uh, yes. Uh, I'm trying to think. 
I believe uh, she lives in Long Beach. Yes, that's the one. Okay, and and you and so you live. You yeah. guys are what, like an hour apart from each we other. We are. She lives in Long Beach. I live in Simi Valley. And and I, is, oh, see, wow. it's funny. We're literally coordinating meeting up after this. So it's like <laughs> it's, it's always an it's always effort. She but, yes, she's she's great. Now explain that effort because I think that's great to be that, a sort of distance away where your plans become intentional. Yeah, and and it is I think a thing that for both of us at this point in our lives is really convenient. Because we're both we both work a lot, and I tend to date people who work a lot because I work a lot. And in in this case, like what's nice is that yeah, like you said, you when you want to get together, it is planned out. And what's nice is like it does put a level of like when you're with this person, appreciate the time. And and you know we've been dating for about a year and a half now, and there are weird little like like things will fall into like one of the things is, like if i'm getting home from like doing some some out of town gigs she'll pick me up from the airport and we'll spend sunday together because oh, nice. then for the rest of the week we're both kind of going to be locked and since i've been gone all weekend our window to hang has kind of gotten really small and like i think there's a type of person who in a relationship looks at it and goes like well that's not enough but for both of us like this is perfect like i've got a person who's like nice to me and I can hang out with and we can have a fun time and then when I'm in the shit doing these like 12 16 hour days at work and then collapsing and then repeating again like I don't have to worry about being tired or or cranky or bringing any of that home to a person instead like you know as things get a little closer you're just like oh man we can hang and you're still you know we talk I you know call her a lot of times on the way to work because we both have long commutes I call her a lot of times we'll talk for an hour when we're both in commute. That's the Los Angeles, like the that. traffic phone call. Oh, yeah. The traffic phone call is a beautiful thing. Tasha they're, does they're, it, but she's got road rage. So she'd be like, Dave, how's you? This oh, fucking yes. guy. I, oh, I get that with my girlfriend. It's Taylor like, it's like a now I'm in the traffic on the road. She, but hers is a lot of, uh, hello, like, kind of things. And I was Blinkers. like, what? And yeah. Oh, and so I'm, I, and, and it's funny because, like, I don't do that shit at all. So, but it's funny because I'll just, like, ask them, what was it? What'd they do? Like, <laughs> Yeah, because you can't. Yeah, I, it's it's like a. I love a commute. I think that's really what shows that I am a California native. Like, because I was born and raised in Southern California. You got a podcast on. You yeah. have maybe a vape situation happening. <laughs> yeah, like I don't a, mind a, a long. I don't like mind a, a long ride like, at all. Yeah, nice fizzy water, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna learn about a, a fun murder or hear an interview with someone, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's great. You know, I think I, it's a personality type. I'm I get anxious in the car. I'm like nervous because you're about to get run off. Off the road by every Tasha, other person. It's control. You just want to be in front of the car in front of you. You do it on the sidewalk when you're walking. You do it at the mall. You want to be in front of the person. See, and in front I of pride you. myself being that guy who's like, you watch that person do the maniac move, so they got five <laughs> extra inches, yeah. and then you look over and there's, you know, it's my car, and it's just like, oh, that that man in a sweater vest listening to the Ghetto Boys, <laughs> vape coming out of his face. I chose seems my a lane. Lot calmer. He I seems just, like he's just happy with where he's at. I, and we just drove to Kentucky and back, which was thirty hours God each damn. way. We did the northern route and then the southern route. Find the vlog on YouTube. Uh, and uh, yeah, I have no problem driving all day how, long. How many days was that? Uh, we, did you in two or, or probably one four, and a half? Four or five days each way. We did okay. it kind of slow. Like Utah nice. was so slow because it, it was so beautiful. five or six on the way there and four or five on the way okay. back. I've done three days to get from LA to New York before. I, it just depends on... I've done... the the that's That was the real test of like my first ever going on the road was opening for this guy to New York who I met twice before when he had done things in LA. And he was like, hey, you want to come out? It's like four. 14 days through the South. And like, I was like, yes, because like at that point I was like, anybody who wants to take me on the road, I will go. Like, I just want to go. Absolutely. And our first thing was I flew into New York city 
to JFK Airport. I got in at 12.30 a.m. I grabbed my suitcase. I got met this guy I had met twice before outside, threw my suitcase in the car, and we drove 22 hours from New York City to Asheville, North Carolina. Wow. wow. No stops, no nothing. I hadn't slept in like a oh, day and a half. That's torture. The cl- we stopped for three hours to sleep in a Waffle House parking lot, like right before sunrise. Waffle at one House point. is the jam. Was it at least a good, uh, was, was he a good guy to ride with? Because some, sometimes it can be nightmare. Yeah, it, it, not not probably the, 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 I mean, Keith Carey and Lisa Curry are my two. Love like, Lisa. I will literally get into any vehicle for any amount of time with those two people. But, like, you know, I think you'll learn. It's about, you know, it's an art form. Every person that you travel with, I feel like you've got to learn, like, what are the idiosyncrasies you're going to put up with versus what you're not yeah. going to put up with, you know? And so, so you know, that was, I don't know if I can ever fairly judge because it was the first time where I'd done a, t- a super long run of travel with that wasn't with my family. So it was a, such a learning experience. You know, we talk about gatekeepers and trying to bust through and, and kind of create your own audience, which is why we podcast. And that's all I want out of life is to be able to drive with uh, either a few friends or Tasha, get an Airstream and oh, just yeah. play places around the country my that's dream really it. is a thing called the radland review that would just be like music and comedy touring like three-hour show and you yeah. just go to from town to town playing that and just this like crazy three-hour run where it's like you and your friends just like making a cool art thing and people coming to see it yeah i mean that's I just it to be perry farrell but funny <laughs> <laughs> i just i uh we we're talking about gear and gear junkies i i also watch like rv videos on youtube oh hells yeah <laughs> i'm like you mean to tell me i can get a 65 foot long video look there's one that's like a double decker did you guys did you either of you grow up traveling anywhere in rvs or trailers and shit like that no. oh okay no, no I, never. so my dad uh raced cars up until i was like 15 and so we had a a, a coronado the this big ass motorhome and we would go to race did you guys see ford versus ferrari yeah, yeah. so willow springs that track in the desert they're at i basically grew up there like i grew up going out there all the time it was funny when my parents went inside because my mom came back she's like you got to go see it it's just like it's just there like it's just Is this a motorhome that the that's that's got its own car or yes. is it a separate it's, it's a motorhome that's got its own car to it like like it's an rv not a trailer yeah because then we had behind that a trailer with the race car on it oh so wow. it was also my dad just oh, will forever blow my mind that he ostensibly drove a bus that also had a trailer attached <laughs> now, now having grown up with that because i could just like idolize the idea of or romanticize i should say and i've never actually done it I don't think I've ever. I spent. You can rent one. You guys should go. But that's the thing. I've looked at that. There's a few like sites like there's Airbnb sites for RVs and like there's there's it's you know you fully insured. I just want to go to Lake Havasu. I want to drive an RV to Lake Havasu. Oh, you can totally do that. uh, I feel like the passes went on sale this morning for Lake Havasu. Well, we should go. Yeah. Join the maybe. Patreon, folks. It's in a couple days, maybe. Well, my mom had a, um, I don't know, it was called like the Bunny, whatever, the Airstream. What size was it? It was a, you know, it was a decent size oh, Airstream. Yeah. She got it for like a year and then never used it and sold it. Yeah. And I slept a night over the summer in there, but the AC went out in, in New I, England with AC. I think the Airstreams are f- like, look really cool. I get the appeal. I think that like, if you're really trying to prove a point about how you're trying to live, that's great. That said, like, there's so many nicer ways you can go that don't look as cool but are a thousand times more comfortable. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And to me, like, comfort is going to come over cool, you know, in, in especially in a situation like that. Yeah. But I think it's, I think doing all that traveling as a kid and like is why I fell in love with touring because yeah. it is like, you know, if I, if I don't ever get a special or do anything crazy in this industry, but I can just like tour around and do records like that to me is like the be all end all of comedy. Like, like, and the best would be is just like we, I was just in Columbus, Ohio for some shows and Brian Regan had been playing across town. He came over to hang out with everybody after the thing. 
And I ended up just picking his tour manager's brain for a minute because I'm obsessed with the tour bus. And he was telling me, you know, about how like Brian loves the tour bus. And there's only like two or three comics, you know, Louis Black, Brian Regan, you know, Jim Gaffigan who do the tour bus style. And to me, it just sounds like the most fun. Yeah. Like, well, that. it's way less stressful than flying everywhere. Yeah. In my opinion, flying might be quicker, but you gotta I hire that a was driver. our whole reason for for driving for the holidays this year it's yeah. like we're just tired of going to the airport yeah we well, spend it, a lot of time it, in airports it's like anything you always want to know what the destination is in life but when you're driving versus flying it's the trip is that's that's well, what it's, it's all about it's the trip it's 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 getting to where you want to go that's what yeah you, need you to have enjoy. the freedom to stop and see any oh, we did new year's eve in memphis oh we nice did, or, how yeah, great yeah. is memphis by it's the way so cool. my buddy was in memphis. town playing he's a country uh, musician oh, and, right and we went to see his band and earlier that day we were in nashville for lunch and my uh my dad and brother and i for a few years were, were bonnaroo people where we would fly out to bonnaroo and camp out and then the first time we went in 06 we flew out we did bonnaroo and then we met up with my mom in memphis and did like four or five days in memphis and then a couple days in nashville and basically just did this like whole musical pilgrimage it's amazing because like my dad plays bass he gave up race car driving and started playing bass and now he plays in bands uh and then like and my brother plays and like my brother and i were in a band together at that point so it was just this like everybody going and like paying respects you know stacks records and sun records and all these different places and things like that that's so really I cool really fell in love with memphis it's really cool that you've got a what seems to be a close relationship with your father i mean is that something that like because that's not normal, especially with comedians. We always well, and it's you know, and they're always complicated and stuff like that. But like, like you know, he's a he's a good dude, and, yeah. and uh, we've had our ups and downs over the years, uh, you know. And I think that at the end of the day, uh, you know, he just wants me to do well, you know, and 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 you know, be able to be you know, make a living and shit like that. But I think like you know, over the years, we've really learned how to like both of us are terrible at communication. And so like, you know, over the years we've learned what doesn't work to the point where now we kind of find more stuff that works and stuff like that. And, you know, and it's interesting that I, that I find that like, you know, we all find our different things talking about. Like my dad and brother can talk sports and politics all day long. Those are both their like kind of specialty yeah. areas and they can both do those. And for me, it's a little bit more, you know, my brother can talk music and stuff too, but like for me, it's like, you know, kind of music and a little bit more like, life philosophy or like creativity and stuff like that or like world observations that are a little less like political and a little more just like i mean i feel like a real dipshit every time i say philosophical (laughs) (laughs) no but that's i mean you know that's everyone's got a different like my i don't have anything i have nothing my my stepdad and i don't have anything in common but i still love like chatting with him and whenever i go home he does this thing where he'll like lean on the kitchen island Mm -hmm. and as soon as he starts to lean on it a certain way you're like i'm not moving for the next hour Uh, (laughs) i mean he will talk your ear off for a lot and when tasha will get stuck in a combo with him i'm like i'm out i'm just going to bed do you ever have this too with like functions where you're like terrified of having to deal with people and then you end up just telling them about stand-up all night well i my family i get tasha's family doesn't ask me at one question about stand-up and it's and i know it's just their their style but it's like all i want to do like it's sort of obsessive but it's it's our lives it's all we think about if someone wants to be like hey dave uh, tell me more about the script you're working on i'm like well sit down but it just doesn't happen i just don't they don't ask me any creative questions my parents don't don't really know what to ask yeah it's also hard because like sometimes you never want to sound like the asshole who's trying to like put your thing into the conversation like uh, I had a few years where like my job was ostensibly just to meet famous people and make small talk with them while I walk them to a place to be interviewed and so like I met 
an absurd amount of famous people over the course of five years. And so the the trap I'll often walk into is somebody will say something and without me thinking about it, going like, man, they were really a dick or like, oh, they were super cool. Or like somebody's like, oh, I don't like them. And I'm just like, yeah, but they were like a nice guy or a nice lady. And like all of a sudden I've unintentionally stepped into like, oh, well, how did that happen? Blah, 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 this, blah, blah, this. Explain why the hell this story came from. Like, like, and it's a thing that I will occasionally find myself wandering into by accident. Yeah, I I have this like extreme level of empathy for, I, I was I was in Santa Monica minding my own business. It was a, it was a like rainy day. There was no one around and Justin Bieber walked by and like we both made eye contact. I was like, hey man, I was just going to say hi to this kid anyway because when you're, when you see yeah. someone and there's no one else around, it's like, yeah. hey, and he goes, hey man, and we just <laughs> looked in each other's eyes. I was like, I get this guy. I feel so bad that because the second he turned that corner, a cop pulled up to him and was like, hey Justin and then wah, 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 wah. and next thing you know, all these people oh, yeah. and I'm like, oh, this, this is a Canadian dude. This is just a Canadian oh, yeah. who's super famous and he just wants a little alone time. It's funny when you find people who have been that way for a long time so they're good at it. I had the best version of that with Dave Grohl. We were both in New Orleans in this one shop and I look up from across the shop and see him and we kind of lock eyes and he gave me a nod and then a turn of the head and it was the <laughs> most perfect verbal like non-verbal communication You're like yes it is me and dave grohl no you don't need to come over here and say <laughs> hi and i like gave him a thumbs up and he gave me a thumbs up and i was like this is the perfect interaction for this when people that don't you know i, I do bachelor recap videos it's um uh i had it, no idea you had such a media empire going on <laughs> this is fascinating and um there's nothing to do with bachelor i just wanted to let everyone know i do bachelor recap videos but people i also love you plugging your own like work on <laughs> your own time, podcast it's they're listening like we know we don't care no but um so i'm in these chat groups and these these women or men or women they're like they they don't they think of fame in a different way that i see these as just normal people that have to live their lives and like well they were asking for it well they they you know they signed up for this it's like you you never know what what's going to go through someone's head who either reaches fame at a young age like we just don't know i i love walking into a comedy club and sitting down and not and people i don't know not talking to me i like not i couldn't imagine the burden of having to go somewhere and someone wants to strike up a conversation yeah. with you. Although you never have like that Goodfellas moment where you love when you walk into a club and like the people working there know you and say, no, what I up? Like, like that. that's the best feel. That's I, literally to me, like that's winning stand up. Like everything else is icing. Like when, when a bartender and two wait staff like go like my man or yeah. like, Hey girl, like you're just like, this is as good as stand up gets. I, um, I had, I did another project, which I won't plug and someone and a comic who I, I wonder what it is. A, it's nothing, <laughs> but a comic that I, a comic that I don't know came up to me and told me they liked it and that meant the world to me so i do like the affirmations yeah. and the love but i also like going to the gym listening to music and staring at people through the mirror and not talking to them yeah. like when i go into the sauna at the gym i don't want people to talk to me i'm just not in that mood i but i but that's kind of like my like extroverted i'm cool being around people but i don't need to oh do yeah it. and i feel the same way like like it's funny you say sauna because i am silent in a sauna i don't yeah. want anybody making even i don't want to hear about the weather I don't want to hear about the Niners. Like, I need you to leave me alone. This is a silent time. Yeah. And for some people, that's where they want to yeah. chat. But for me, it's like we we get enough of that being in stand up where we, we talk to people enough where like, I don't know if touch. I don't know if you talk to people enough with, you know, you go to castings and you might see people, but also you're kind of like the person they hire and then you go home. But so you have like a cast that you work with on something theoretically or like a crew that you're around for something, right? Yeah, but it's always different people. Okay. So see, I've worked on one show for like eight years. So in my mind, it's like, yeah, no. And you see, you know, the there's Tara and John on the cameras. I'm gonna see them every time. Mm-hmm. That's the best thing working on a show 
show and like it's like going to camp when you get to know everybody oh and, yeah and, and i think that's what we seek because it is like we the longer i've done stand-up in la like i still feel new to la I, f- I feel new to la and also like i've been here forever it's just a weird feeling because i can walk into a club i've never been to before and i'm gonna know a bunch yeah. of people so it's like you you slowly build that sort of vibe up and i know tasha you're probably the same way you'll go to a casting and it's like dang you've been at it for a long time where you just you'll go somewhere you've never been and you'll be like hey hey how's it going how are the kids and you just build this and then i think that's all we search for as humans is just like a community yeah but it's hard because we we between modeling and stand-up are in worlds where like it's a lone man's game we're not you know don it's not an improv team which is cool that's just not what it is yeah so it's just different now so like with communication you said you and your dad were kind of bad at communicating but how how is it with your girlfriend do you are you communicating i mean we're very good at it because i've been profoundly bad at it in other relationships um you know I think, you know, it's it's funny because I feel like this relationship works really well because of how profoundly not well some other relationships I've had have gone at, you know, different times in my life. Well, what, think, what have you learned that you're bad at? Uh, communication, uh, getting out of a situation instead of just like staying in something and being mad and then like being destructive, which is a thing that I've, you know, has again, that, that post 30 run has been probably my biggest project is like recognizing that as a bad habit I have in general as a person and whether it's a relationship or whether it's like substances or food or, you know, to a certain extent comedy, you know, you kind of find, you know, my pattern was get way too involved with something too quick and then double down on it and then put all of my value in being in that and then when I, and then slowly grow to resent that and then do self-destructive things to like destroy that not a great system <laughs> uh and and it took me you know fucking up a lot of relationships to like figure out that that is a thing i do and that perhaps i am the problem in these things and then go about figuring out like okay i've recognized this what do i do about it and you know i'm in a ton of therapy i'm in a ton of like uh, I'll call them group meetings and things like that, you know, f- and really it forced me to kind of have to like take myself out of the game of all of these things. Cause the other thing is like, I'm very much like a serial monogamist. And I think that in the past it was because, it, you know, being a very like, you know, person who like does not feel like they have value as a person on their own, you know, and that's why our performance comes from, whether it's, you know, doing well in school or whether it's doing good at comedy. It's always just like you derive your value a thousand percent. You know, with that's where being silent on stage is hard for me because I'm like, hey, what do you get? Come on, what do yeah. you just constantly just I, I envy the comics that can go up there and just kind of be quiet. Did you ever have this where like you'd be on a show and you'd watch somebody else do well so you assume you will fail because you're a different kind of comedian than them well for sure that used to be my one of my worst habits is i would watch like a really broad comedian a really physical comedian you know go and crush uh i I use i call it the connor mcspadden effect where like the more they like connor the more i'm worried i'm going to fail and it's weird because like there is no connection like like we that's like saying like well they liked black flags so they're gonna hate the ramones like because it's a little bit different (laughs) like and it's just like because it's you know it's not even like it's a different genre it's just two different sounds within one thing and and uh, not and they're not the audience isn't all of their fans or all of yours they're just laughing because these are jokes yeah and and really learning to instead of seeing that as like a problem as instead seeing it as a strength where it's like oh shit okay like nobody's gonna walk up and do the kind of weird esoteric bullshit i have and it's not like i'm like super arty it's still like pretty run the down the middle regular ass stand-up but like 
You know, no nobody here is talking about people in their family who are missing fingers, which is like a bit I, on my last <laughs> album that like is long and weird. And like I laughed, I was in Chicago for Tom's album recording and we were doing a couple of shows around town because basically Tom and I had a lovely vacation and we happened to record his album during it. And we were doing these shows and he and I are on and it's a bunch of local Chicago people and I can feel a little bit of that voice in the back of my head, even though I'm a few years removed from hearing that all the time because there's all people talking about like Tinder and like politics and all these things that are in no way, shape or form shit my act does. And then I went up and was like nervous, but then just did what it do. And it worked out fine because it was different, but it was still, I'm clearly like trying and clearly like respecting their space and trying to like bring the best thing I can do to that stage. And everybody was super sweet about it. I also forget sometimes that Los Angeles is a hellscape yeah, and that like, scenes other places are very very different than here because i feel like here like there is a layer of like no matter how good you're doing and how much everybody's rooting for you they all everybody quietly also hates you yeah <laughs> because like you're one step you're you're you know this one getting ahead in traffic you know kind yeah of thing. i have yeah. to remind myself that all the time to be like i'm probably funnier than than how it's going right now yeah <laughs> which just sounds weird to say oh a thousand percent though. but I it's totally like know i'm probably mean. doing really good and i'm just like and in the and I and then I look for the kind of the blessing of LA and I go well maybe I'm better because because of this pressure that we're under. Brandy Posey has the best quote where she's like, "You don't realize the level of weights you're using working here until you go other places, and then you really appreciate that like their scene's good, but you're coming from a place where you're literally just just fighting at full speed, full full force all the time." Yeah, and so it's neat and it's neat to get to go to other places with that. Back to the original question of the relationship is like, I learned through all this stuff that it was like, okay, I am going to not date for a while and just fix myself. And I did do a lot of that and like, uh, really realized how self-destructive I had let myself get, you know, for the years kind of leading up to that and like got out of this relationship and spent about a year kind of on my own doing my thing, doing a fuck loads of therapy and like i started meditating i don't know if you guys are meditation people wow. no Holy i've never shit, been able to like lock it down That's same and i was always like i've always been like a big studier like brad warner is this writer who's one of my favorite writers and he's an old punk rock bass player who writes about zen buddhism now and he's the jam and like i was interested in it but then like finally like felt so shitty that i was like i'll do anything so i started meditating and immediately i laughed the the distinct moment i have is like the third day I'd been meditating, by the time it was really working for me, was the day North Hollywood was on fire. And I have this very guilty memory of just like sitting, driving in traffic in the morning when North Hollywood is full tilt on fire and it's the calmest I've felt in five years. <laughs> like, well, you gotta take care of yourself. It I mean. was, it's like that scene in Office Space where the guy's having the heart attack and the guy's just super chill. And I was like, oh, that's exactly the emotion right now. But uh, me and this, and, and Taylor, my girlfriend, met. And like, I was like, she's very cool. I'm not dating anybody. I can be friendly to this person and have the boundaries of like, this is all this is. And, you know, she was interested in comedy a little bit and this and that. And like, so, and then I like, I needed volunteers for something for a pilot. And I was like, Hey, can you do this? And cause I know you're interested in working in entertainment. And so she did a weird thing for me for a pilot show. And then it was like, oh, I'm going to go. I'm in your neck of the woods doing stand up. Like, it's an open mic. I can get you a spot if you want. It was literally just me trying to help out, you know, somebody who's trying to get into an open mic. And she didn't do the mic, but hung out. And then, like, we went and got food with some people afterwards. And all of my comedian friends are making fun of me for hanging out with this person because all I'm doing is talking about how not interested I am in this way with this person. And 
then I kind of, she was just, she could keep up. Like that's a big thing for me is like, especially with like a partner and especially being in comedy is like, I feel like you got to have somebody who can keep up or they're going to be miserable. And, yeah. and you know, she was kind of, you know, she's going toe to toe and laughing with people and doing stuff. Well, I had the same experience with her because we were kind of in the back area, not quite a green room, but like the back hall and, yeah. and everyone's kind of hanging out, but she was very conversational with everyone and friendly. And that, yeah. that's, that's an awesome it's, attribute. You know, I think the, my biggest terror is that like she will, you know, she still wants to fuck with stand up. And it's one of those things where I like, we've, we've even had the communication of like, look, I'm all for you doing this. I'm not, I'm secure enough in my place that like, I don't, I'm not like, Oh, what if she succeeds and overshadows me? It doesn't matter. We're on the same team. We live in the same house at that point. Uh, but like, there is that layer of just like, my brain does go to like, Oh, but you'll meet all the cool standups I'm afraid of. And they will be friends with her and not me. And it'll be weird. Yeah. Like, but you know, she kept coming out to stuff and kept hanging out and she could keep up. And then we went, I was, uh, I bought two tickets to go see Fast Times at Ridgemont High at a drive-in because it's one of my favorite movies and I used to go to drive-ins as a kid. So I was like, this is great. And the friend who was supposed to go with me canceled on me. And so I was like, hey, that girl I was hanging with, we just went to a concert and she bought me a ticket because we hadn't gotten seen Streetlight Manifesto because she's a big scoffing. Oh my God. And so we had gone to that and I was like, oh, I'll invite you to this. So we go to this and like we both look nice, but like nothing happens. We just like get food. We watch a movie. You know, we have a nice time. We drop her off the whole time. Me going like this is not a date, even though we're having a lovely time. Like this is not a date. Just, just bros hang. You know, I have so many female friends. You know, like I when I hang with Lisa Curry, it is not a date. It is just me hanging with my comedian friend Lisa Curry because she's a good hang. You know, when I and I have a lot of relationships like that, so I didn't really think a ton about it. And then dropped her off and was like, "Ah, oh, son of a bitch, this girl's great." Like, and, yeah, and, snuck up on you. And then a few days later, we kind of got together and ended up like like kissing and have basically been dating ever since then. But it was such a slow process where I was so against it the whole time, and finally it was like, "This is the most pleasant." date i've ever been on is this one thing i'm insisting not to call a date like i should follow some version of this you know and i had people in my life i kind of talked to about it and was like do you think this is a good idea and they're like you know let's find out you know and shit like that and so you know and and i did kind of go into it with the idea of like i'm just going to be super honest i'm going to you know lay out all my drama and shit like that you know out the gate and go like hey here's what you're signing up for before we get too real on any of this stuff and she then was like cool let me see you encounter with here's a bunch of my shit and i was like whoa wow look at that and and both of us were able to kind of be like okay none of this seems like deal breakers but also like let's just kind of <coughs> see where this goes and you know it has become this kind of crazy thing where it's just you know she's now sort of helping me run some stuff with the label because she also is very kind of like diy and indie oriented and stuff like that and it she ended up falling into a job in the industry like so that we are kind of similar places and stuff like that You're a power couple now sorta yeah yeah and so it's you know and and it all just kind of stems from i think like just always making sure that we're communicating because like you know i i feel like you spend so many you see so many relationships where you spend so long pretending to not be yourself and i think that like what you should do is just immediately like here's the shittiest things about me like this is this is as bad as it's gonna get like like here's this this and this this is a thing like it existed before not as big a thing but i'm gonna just show you at all like i feel like that that's kind of the best way to date i feel like but also like i hate dating in los angeles and it terrifies me so i'm always just happy to not be single because this city's the devil <laughs> it's true but it's interesting that like b before you even met this person you were already doing the work on 
improving yourself and like honoring yourself and i think that's the that's exactly it you said so many people are trying to hide who they are and pretend that they're better and blah 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 i just had nowhere left to go and it was one of those things like i can only dig up from here like and so like uh, let's just let we're starting fresh i i i I keep making the joke. I think I'm going to call not the next album, but I feel like I have a chunk in me called the burn down house. Cause like my life was a house with bad wiring where I was like, I'll deal with that later. Like, <laughs> like, don't worry. Like I put that box of oily rags in there and all this stuff. Like it's going to be, it's all going to work out. And then the house burns down, you know, without not even with you planning it. It's just like some sparks happen. And then all of a sudden, like you don't have a house. And I, I referred to post that as rebuilding the house. And now I have a house that has like a nice foundation and good wiring. Yeah, because you can really start fresh. Yeah. And you have to then when people come over, the first thing you say is like, well, this the how old house burned down. So you have to like tell them that because then they can really appreciate how nice the house is. Yeah. yeah but you're probably like, you're probably like me. I don't want to assume this, but like where you think other people might have it easy and it, like with other comics, you see them crush or whatever, and you're like, "Oh, I couldn't do that." But you, but you probably are just as funny, you know what I mean? So like, we we've we've got so many things that are fucked up within us that we're just like, we're just talking about them, yeah. which which helps so much. I can't, I just feel so bad for people that that are out there that just purse their lips and survive without even having these conversations. I you know, I think I look at them and like I'm empathetic because I get it because I was there. You know, and then and then it jumps to the next part of just like, but but you know, if if you if you want to get out of that, that's the next step. Is like you you can feel bad, but then you gotta make the jump to not do that, and that's what's hard to watch sometimes when you know people where you're just like, you could be different, like, but you're not ready yet. But I think I grew up around a lot of I had a lot of uh, like drug addicts in my life for a long time, and so I think. I think if you're going to be in comedy, like it helps to have had a 10 year period where everyone you knew was addicted to heroin <laughs> because it's not that different of a lifestyle from that to meeting comedians. Cause it's always people who like, Just are always a, they're a little distracted and there's definitely something that is a more priority to them than talking to you. And like, as long as you're okay with those two things, then you can have a conversation. That's, what, that's probably the thing that pisses me off the most. Like uh, I have some friends who just like, they're good friends of mine, but I can't run a bit by them because they can't, I can't hold their attention long yep. enough to even listen. And that's, what's so great about the podcast is we can just sit down and spend a, a bunch of time talking. And then, and then you can go in the sauna blanket afterwards and be done for the day. You know, it's like, it's such a good thing to like stretch it out. Before we finish, I also want to pick your guys' brain about the gravity blanket. Cause my girlfriend got me one for Christmas and I'm still like, oh, the sauna blanket? Uh, no, I got oh, a gravity blanket. Weighted blanket. Weighted oh, one. And yeah, try it out. That's uh, like, have you guys fucked with one? I you don't. Guys, you, like, you have one. He doesn't like it. I love it. I I like it, but like, I'm finding that it is odd what a like utility player it is. Like, you can't just have it in the normal bed rotation. I keep mine at the foot of the bed. Oh, interesting. And then like fold it. We'll show you when we walk out. Folded um, like on the foot of the bed. Yeah. And then I just pull it up. Not fully up, but like because we have it running sideways, but like up to about my waist okay. at night. Ooh, not bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. This thing almost like broke my ankle though. Like I can't have, I don't like it. I, just, I dream of having an it, avalanche. It's genuinely heavier than you think it's going to be because like I'm 6'6", so she got me a 25 pounder. So it's wow. preposterous. What, what, I'm going to show you some weight? of these videos that are cracking me up on tiktok it's like the weighted blanket challenge where like people like throw a weighted blanket at somebody they're like medicine balls they literally (laughs) drop like stones like you could break a person's neck i've watched somebody almost fuck up their back 
picking up this blanket when they were not prepared for how heavy it was going to be. Yeah. Like, and good it, luck trying like, to fold that yourself. It's, it's folded on my, like, guitar amp across from my bed. And then when it's pulled in, when it's like, okay, like, we're watching Sunday HBO programming. Let's get out the weighted blanket. <laughs> it's so funny because Tasha's, you got this allergy or whatever throat. And uh, I was like, look, when the podcast is over, I'm going to tuck you into your weighted blanket, give you the controller. You can have them. And she was, like, so excited. That sounds like heaven. She was, like, so I was like, we'll get the whole rest of the day because we were up pretty early this morning, like, probably six to go to that to do that shoot and do all these things but it's like hey got it all go do it i thought when i i thought when i got her the sauna blanket it would give me some like it would give me some freedom because i'd tuck her away but but now that she's tucked away she just starts barking orders at me i need water now (laughs) and i spilt a little water down it because she was laying flat so like it was very hard she she didn't like have her neck cocked up she was like laying back and i spilt water and she goes babe what the fuck you you don't even and i'm like you're you're in a pool of sweat and i dribbled a little water down you like get over you like she's i'm gonna have to look into the sauna blanket business sounds fascinating it's really cool i'm really into it and you can try it out if you go to one of these okay. like places it's like a massage parlor basically they have massage beds and then everybody's got their own little blanket and their own little okay. space well tasha and i won't get into this because we talk about it every other episode but tasha has lyme disease and part of it's oh. a good it's a good thing for it it's a yeah. good like lymph node for keeping for detox so yeah. anything okay. you can do that's going to help out is like th- throw and just do it anything that's going to get the body a little stronger just you know you get know post 30 trying oh. to you gotta, I, you know, I had to push this back because I had my I have my my, uh, my my exercise class on Thursday nights and Saturday mornings. I'm like, I don't want to be able to move when I have children. Oh, I assumed you had an acting class. I was like, no, that's that's the next theoretic idea. I've I yet to be able to fully wrap my head around the idea of acting. I'm such a like writer and like I like I love you stand directing up. You don't and I love a... doing all that other stuff. But maybe that's the perfect headspace to go into it. Well, and and I've been reading a bunch of Meisner stuff and kind of. It's weird how much it's making sense because I did theater in elementary school and, and some of high school and then I got out of it to pursue playing in bands full time because I was like, now I can fully be, you know, in control of all the things. And I think I missed out before you really start learning like actual acting technique. Like and when it was just like lit analysis and like script analysis, I'm like, I'm already like an English student. I understand yeah. how to do this. Like so that part, I don't need to spend extra time yeah, here. Like I, I understand how to read subtext. Like this is not interesting. But when it was like when they start doing like the meditative, like repeating a line until it's just a thing you say as a muscle reaction and then exploring how to then play it like a note you know, in that kind of stuff. All of a sudden I was like, wait, this is what acting is? Yeah, it gets I thought fun. it was just just cocaine and rejection. <laughs> <laughs> the name of the podcast, Cocaine and Rejection. About right. I did, we, we already had, we're at an hour, so wait, I... Wait, but I, ha- I wanted to ask you, because you mentioned a couple times that you um, are in therapy, mm-hmm. and I wanted to ask you what... Gosh, I sound like a frog. Um, you sound like an old lady who smokes, <laughs> smokes a lot. A lot. Uh, what, what got you into that? Was there a moment where you decided... Um, yeah. I had done therapy in high school, my senior year. Uh, I have uh, real bad anxiety disorders. I get like real bad anxiety attacks. I get shaky. It gets hard to breathe and stuff like that. And so I spent most of my adult life trying to manage that. And it has real highs and real lows and, and this and that. But I was also like, just found I was in like a low grade depression that was, I mean, the most LA reason in the world to initially start was it was fucking up my career, how depressed I was. Like I was not going after things because I felt like I didn't deserve them because it's so relatable. Yeah. It's so relatable. I mean, I've, I fight that all the time. I actually, Dave and I were just talking about uh, me looking for a therapist because I find therapy so it's helpful the greatest thing. as a motivator. Sometimes you just need a cheerleader to tell you, no, what are you doing? Sitting on your ass self sabotage. 
and it can't always this. be a partner oh, yeah. because I'm going to be super supportive, but I'm not going to. Yeah, I can tell when Tasha's about four seconds away from crying, and I could tell. <laughs> I can feel, I can literally feel your energy. I just, you know what I mean? I can. Feel, I'm sitting in the car. She's about to go to a casting, and I'm like, "Honey, are you okay?" And she just doesn't talk, and I go. But like anything uh, else, I mean, I've told you to start a Patreon. How many times I told you to set up a website? How well, many times it takes somebody, not me, telling him I to can, do those things? You know, for and it I to get happen. it because, like, again, we came started Patreon three days ago. So, like, <laughs> and our podcast is around for five years. Yeah. Uh, and so I didn't start know, it till we got the notice notice that we we're going to get featured on iTunes, and I was like, "Well, I guess we're going to have to get some some shit ready great. to go in case it's you know whatever." And and I think that like you know it, it's so helpful to have a person who is able to hear and and has no like i i always laugh like you know because i am with a different therapist now than i was before and i missed that old therapist she had to move but it was the craziest thing i was going through some gnarly shit and as i was going through some gnarly shit she was in the process of moving to norcal because her husband had gotten a promotion because his boss had been killed in the vegas shooting so it was like tragic just that everything was chaos but like but the couple years i worked with her were definitely like the path towards getting better and i still had the end of that is almost this like culmination that flipped into like the, the actual growth. But like, I had to just like shed it. Like one of the first things she made me go get headshots. Like, cause I had, didn't have those cause it felt, I was like, who am I? Like, I don't need this bullshit. And she was like, go do them anyways. Like, did and, she recommend anybody? Did she have uh, no, got, like a client list? <laughs> I, I got lucky that I have a friend who is a really talented fashion photographer. And I was like, I know I'm about to ask you the thing that you hate and say no to, but because it's me, you want to take some photos <laughs> and I'm a good hang. Uh, and, and so, you know, she pushed me to do things like that. She had some very strong opinions about relationships I was in at the time that, that, looking back you know sometimes you hear what you want to hear versus what you actually think and uh you know going through all that was great and then i found this new therapist and this new therapist was probably one of the biggest game changers she's the one who got me medicated i was last year at points at a point where i was just like i just don't like i i've had bouts of suicidal runs in my life and and the problem is i'm a very like I try to be very practical, so it's never like, uh, oh, I'm going to write a note and do a whole thing because that just seems too showy. Like, I, the, the one I always judge against is because the only one where I was like real aware of what I was doing was when I was like 19 in college. I was just like miserable and things were going very, very poorly and I was not connecting with people and I didn't have a good support system. My family were away and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, I might just decide to check out here. Like, I'm disillusioned enough. But instead of going like, oh, I'll do something dramatic, it was like, I'll just do drugs and eventually like that, I'll hit the right run that'll kill me. And instead, like it didn't, uh, it got close a couple times. But like, you know, instead now I just have this like weird back knowledge of like, you know, oh, those were those weird years. And I think like the run that I had before I started getting healthy, this last run was a similar thing where it's like, okay, like I'm hitting a some shaky spots here and then she was the first person who was like hey you're gonna leave my office right now you're gonna go to this doctor's office and they're gonna give you this and we're gonna start this process were you and worried at all yeah about your... super worried about not being funny right. about not getting boners about it not working <laughs> those were the big three those that's, are the three that's biggest a, funny than boners i'm in the funny, same way boners and it not working and you being too broken <laughs> like that's... but that is priority number three <laughs> um, well because tasha you were you were medicated and uh, yeah um, no it totally saved my life I had suicidal thoughts as well Uh, and I remember like looking back it's interesting uh, and it makes me have a lot of compassion for kids because I started feeling depressed 
I mean, as early as middle school. Yeah. Oh, same. And looking back, it's like, what the fuck? Like, those, you're a kid still. You're supposed to still have like a carefree kid lifestyle. And I think my parents and all the people around me, um, because I was very high performing in school, missed all these same. warning signs. Oh, yes. That's what I was going to say. Whole time I was trying to kill myself with drugs with college, I had a 4.0, you know, you know and, and almost all A's. President like of every club. People don't ask a lot of questions. Yeah. They don't ask how high on meth you are when you are getting all A's. <laughs> no, it's true. I, and so I, I think, you know, I, I just kind of like fell through the cracks a little bit and it got to a point like, you know, I, I probably went untreated for, I don't know, seven years, you know, with yeah. suffering with depression without anybody knowing and without any help for around seven years. And, um, um, you know, I finally started going to therapy. That therapist was a, was a joke. That was more about my parents than me. Um, but uh, I got medicated and, you know, it got to a point where like it got me back on my feet. And then I started feeling like in college, like, holy shit, I feel so numb. I feel nothing like it's time yeah. to get off meds, um, which was another another difficult transition. But on, I, I wouldn't have made it without the assistance of yeah, medication, same. which is why, you know, I, I believe that people's, you know, people say, oh, you don't want to be medicated forever. Great. Fine. Totally. It's it's up to you. But like if it gets you through it's a rough, such a rough personal passion, journey that like I feel like more than maybe anything I've ever experienced, it is something where other people's advice is pretty useless. Yeah, because everyone's experience is totally different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you just got very red and flushed talking about it. I know because I get embarrassed. Vulnerability. Is, is it embarrassed? Uh, it's it, just, it is, it's uncomfortable. It's very vulnerable to talk about. Medication still is such a screed against it. Like people still very much judge you. Even, even people who seem pretty hip and progressive, but then like you, you say, you know, something about medication and they sort of get like, oh. I didn't Not realize. even the medication, just depression in general. Mental health is still so stigmatized yeah, in our country. So. And uh, it's it's really unfortunate, but I think it's great that we talk about it. I think it's great talking about therapy as a, a benefit because I know that there are people, especially listeners, because we have listeners oh, yeah. all over and, the world. And you got to find the right therapist for you, too, because mm-hmm. like a bad therapist is as is useless. It's like trying an exercise class. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I tried doing yoga in college and I hated it. And then I moved to L.A. and I found a yoga teacher that I really love and now i love yoga yeah. it's just I, a different experience so one of my fitness things is like i was like i'm gonna learn some kind of martial art thing because it's like it's not spirit cycle like i needed to have like a functional reason to it or something like that and tried a couple where it was like okay this doesn't match this doesn't match and then like found again that same setup where it's like okay it takes a couple of tries and you want to write off like a thing whatever it is that you're thinking of doing you're like okay i suck at it and it's not for me but it's like okay try three times like yeah well, yeah. let me ask you this, because I don't believe in accidents. Tasha, just a few days ago, said she was thinking about wanting to get a therapist, and now we're talking to you about it. What should she do? Like, Psychology should... Today. Uh, it's a website, and, uh-huh. and you can search through, and you can refine your search by types, locations, money, all these different things. And I have had a phenomenal, phenomenal amount of luck. I've watched other people have a lot of luck with it. Again, it takes trying, but like it's, it's such a useful resource that is there and exists and is already working that like it's kind of crazy to me that it's not more well known because it's yeah, but they have a lot of articles too right because i feel like when i do a lot of solo episodes i'll google like different things going on and i'll yeah. get a lot of their articles but their therapy database is truly psychology incredible. today because more important to me than anything else is how close is it to my house because i'm not trying to sit in traffic <laughs> oh, yeah. see and i drive out to the valley i was like this is oh what's really up. but when you find someone good i mean that that's the number one thing 
Uh, what was I, I had a last question that doesn't have anything to do. Can we? Can I ask this sure, last sure, question? Sure, sure. Um, you so you you host and again it's also kind of a plug for you. You have a podcast with Jen. Summers oh, I, I forgot to mention that when we were doing the other two is everything is scary. My third show that, now, that I just started at the end of last year. Tasha deathly is afraid of horror films and i love them and i would hope that you could maybe convince her to watch no some thanks more. don't well, even okay. waste your breath so here's the thing i think that like i totally understand where you're coming from but i also think that like not unlike comedy and how when you say you like or don't like comedy like there's a thousand versions of that there's a thousand versions of horror and i bet there is a version of horror that might actually be a good time for you like Can you watch it. this new HBO show. It's supposed to be the a horror outsider. Show. Yeah, Outsider's great. It's great. Uh, I, it's I I'm a crazy Stephen King fan, and so like that was that book came out actually only a couple years ago, and I loved the book partially because one of the characters in it is spun off from this other trilogy of books he did. It's not. It's spooky. It's not like horror. It's much more. Do you watch True Detective? Yeah, I can get down with some like Outsiders True Detective with like 10% more like Wait, Outsiders the Stephen King book? Yeah. I'm I think sure if I, read I think it. if she gets in a lot of times she'll be like I don't want to watch that and then I'll put it I'll be like look, I'll give you 2 minutes and then 2 minutes in I'm like do you like it? She's like I hold on. Suspense. Hold on. Did you just say the you'll read Stephen King stuff? Yeah, so you I, do horror things. I think I I got I started reading Stephen King way too young, like in elementary <laughs> no <such> school. <laughs> yeah. Uh but no, I just I get frightened really easily. You know what's and, crazy? Like, though? This stuff Same. sticks with me, and I'm I don't want to have I like an uncomfortable, scared. like scary, unsettling feeling sitting with me for multiple days in a row. Uh, okay, you know oh, what I mean? Oh yeah, because I I it's it all kind of comes full circle with this because like. I'm a big horror fan because I was a huge Freddy cat as a kid. I was afraid of everything. I was afraid of Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> I would keep my like head buried in my mom's the... face. Yes, in the ride because <laughs> their pirates were a little too rowdy for this boy. Okay. And so when I started to get a little older, I started trying to make myself face my fear and watch stuff. And it started with watching stuff on TV and then like renting stuff from the video store and stuff like that. And then it was this weird flip where it went from afraid of everything to obsessed with all this spooky stuff because it was like the big moment for me was the movie Scream because the movie Scream is the reason that I wanted to become a professional writer is because like, wait, you can make jokes and kill people and you can set it in a high yeah, school. This sure. is the finest entertainment <laughs> money can buy. And, uh, and the thing that that freaked me out for the longest time were like haunts, like those theme park things, which are now I'm kind of famous for being obsessed with. But the reason that I'm obsessed with them is because they still scare the shit out of me. And I feel, feel apprehension every time I walk in one. But it basically for me simulates an anxiety attack. I feel all of the same physical sensations of apprehension walking into it. And then I'm in a situation where my body doesn't know what's going to happen, but it is on high alert. But then Going through the process and coming out the other side, you get the dopamine and adrenaline rush of like coming through the thing. And if somebody's gotten you good on one and that adrenaline coming <laughs> through you and you've got this like <laughs> getting got is the is, yeah. is, is my terminology. But like and you come out that other side and you've got this like almost runner's high of like adrenaline and endorphins from coming through. It's, it. a, it's and a methadone it, clinic. And it's exactly it. It, it has created every uh, uh, September through through October this like weird run where I get to go like fill up on like uh you know kind of medicating my anxiety like and like like I go do a shitload of them and part of it is like it's half the other half is the theater nerd in me like I love the visual presentation of stuff and the clever ways that people design things but then also just like the fact that like I get this weird little thing and like I feel like I am less 
anxious for a while and I am much more in like a healthier headspace. Yeah, you almost got your that was like your acupuncture. Yes, you like, very you much like, so. You like hit the pressure point. You got it. I'd love I'd love to it's do like a, an est seminar full of severed heads. I'd it's love great. to do a podcast where you do like thirty minutes, then do the scary thing, and then podcast directly after Ooh. where you're just like fucking amped. <laughs> I don't know if that would translate to an it's audience. It's interesting because it's intentional, so it's different than like um, an adrenaline rush that's sort of out of your control. Oh yeah, I had a gun pulled on me last year and oh, like found the it was it's it's literally the opening to my act now. I'm fine. It's turned into a bit, but like uh, <laughs> the adrenaline on that was like like. You know, I thought my hand shook when I have anxiety attacks, but like this was like a full on like like just vibration that had to go. What happened? Like a mugging type deal? Uh, I, I was walking back from I had gone to get food with a couple of comedians on a show and I was walking back to the hotel I was staying at. And I'd crossed a street and my hotel's like right in front of me and a car pulled up and was like, hey, and I turned around and like looked in to see who was saying, hey, because I assumed it was somebody from the show. And it was a guy sitting there and he just smiled at me and then held up a gun and I just like ran away. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. In the bit, I threw up a cheeseburger. In real life, it was a slice of pizza in the direction of the assailant <laughs> and ran away. How smart. Good for you. Pizza. It was, yeah. It, it was a like gas station pizza. pizza. Yeah, it was funny, too, because it was just like one of the girls that like, gave me like a slice of pizza for the walk. And I was like, I'm getting my steps in and eating. Like it was a whole. whole... Oh, so it was like an open, like a hot cheese. Yes. Like a, like, like a slice. Hot cheese. Yes. Like, I, again, I don't know what actual results happen all i know is that like like i changed it to burger because then i could make a hamburglar joke uh, <laughs> hamburger new orleans is much too aggressive. i can I, <laughs> I can defend a gas station pizza or 7-eleven pizza yeah i can well I it's can. a whole different game in the south too like we were in new orleans and like you really have to like work hard to eat shitty food in new orleans because yeah. like every place is the it's best meal food. you've ever had yeah, yeah. Well, look, I think we're uh, we're an hour and 18, so we should oh, get out of here. This but was a delight. Yeah, thank this was, so thank you so much. Really and then, fun. so uh, how can people find you? Instagram, uh, I'm all that I'm at Kyle podcast. Clark is rad on Twitter and Instagram, so check me out there. I don't tweet or post a ton of things, but I literally have them just to respond to people or engage in conversations about podcasts I'm on. So if you're interested, hit your boy up, and I won't clutter your feed, but I will be very friendly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, my shows, This Is Rad, uh, and then uh, Everything Is Scary. I do This Is Rad with my, my buddy Matt Burnside, uh, Everything Is Scary with Jen Saunderson. Uh, I do Stonecutters LA the first weekend, this weekend, the second weekend uh, of uh, every month at uh, the Lyric Hyperion. It's a Simpsons trivia show run. And then uh, my label slash albums. I have a new album out called I, uh, Absolute Terror. It's released on my record label, Radland Records. And uh, I also got records from Solange Castro, Keith Carey, uh, 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 just a whole litany of people who my brain was just like, you can't remember right now. Uh, but everybody's great. and They're all very talented. And I love all of you. Uh, but uh yeah and so like that's the thing i'm very proud of and again just uh you know search radland records out there and it'll direct it towards people's albums and uh and if you know look for for plenty more i'm just i like giving people the opportunity to say something because i can't spend a ton of money but if i can give you a platform to say your thing by taking away a couple of hard things and i feel like I don't know. The community has been very, very good to me. So yeah, I feel like whenever it back is something that I should do. Whenever you self-actualize and just create, you're going to attract a ton of people that want to collaborate. It's fun to give it's... the speech to. I'm like, you won't be Van Halen, but like you'll have a thing you're <laughs> proud of. Like, cannot stress enough. You will not get rich through this, but you will have a thing you're very proud of. Speaking of things I'm proud of, um, we actually have our next Mimosa stand-up show Ooh. February 15th. If you are around, we'd love to have yeah, you on it. Absolutely. It's a noon show on the Saturday 
Friday after Valentine's Day. Oh, hells Day. yeah. We do it. I get a, I go to Costco and get a bunch of uh, Corbell champagne. Uh, and it's a fun every part of this sounds delightful. Yeah. I am all for all of this. Okay, so for those listening, because this will be this this episode's coming out tomorrow, which is the second Groundhog's Day. It's our Groundhog's Day yeah. episode. And so then people have enough time to get ready for it. So we do Ooh, it out on Sundays. How do you guys like that? Uh, to a, a Sunday night. So it's just people can have it for the okay. week. I don't know. Uh, we'll have to go. we'll have to talk because if you have any better days, oh, I'm no, willing to drop same, my same game. We're, we're doing we're doing uh, like Wednesdays out and it's become an interesting system. But I'm for the first time in six years having to kind of like adjust shit. I'm like, why is this hard now? Why was this easy for six years and now is hard? Yeah, I'm just getting better at planning things because it used to be like Sunday afternoon. And I'm, next thing you know, I feel like I'm like late on a project. Yeah. And it's like supposed to be fun, but it's my own lack of planning that makes it well, stressful. Jackie and Lori is out on Mondays. And oftentimes the only time that the three of us are both all in Southern California for an hour where we're not working is like 11 p.m. on the Sunday before the episode is out. So I've gotten very good at like just publish immediately. Yeah, and for the six, five or six p.m. on Sunday is when Libsyn's stats count for the next day. Oh. So it just it just makes sense for whatever. And not that I don't know. I started doing it because Robert Kelly does that, and I, yeah. his podcast, you know what, dude, was the first one I ever listened to, and it's been the one podcast I've always listened to for since He's I started. Uh, and you guys both got to come do this. Is rad. Like, we would love we'll to. Yeah, we would love to. And th- thanks again for doing the pod. And I uh, guess what? And then we'll see you on the Mimosa Show, yeah. February fifteenth. Bye, everybody. Bye. Well, I like to finish the episode by saying, there you have it. So, there you have it. My chat with Tasha and Kyle. Did you like it? Was that good? The funny part of that conversation is Tasha, she's always accusing me of uh, talking too much. Can you blame her? Jesus Christ, I need to stop having coffee. But um, I thought in that last half of the conversation, I let her and Kyle have good moments together, but she still thinks I talk too much. But anyway, um, I think they actually bonded. It's always good when we have guests on that we don't know beforehand, and then we find some real human connections. And uh, I think we found that with Kyle. He's a really good guy. So uh, go support Kyle. And again, if you want to support us, you can go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash thesap, T-H-E-S-A-P, and get dozens of if not hundreds of bonus content episodes, new Patreon members. Hey, Ben, you're out there. We got a postcard coming your way. Thank you so much for joining the Patreon. Uh, All of our new members. And Rainer, I got to send you a postcard. I got to get it. I know you're listening over there in Belgium. I'm going to find out how to write this in. Um, Do you speak Flemish? What's your, I know the Belgium, the Belge, the Belge, the Bulge. I know the Bulges have a ton of languages out there. Are you a Flemish boy? Are you speaking French? Vous parlez français? Um, uh, I'll I'll customize your postcard for you. Anyway, I appreciate all of you guys that have donated and become part of the premium membership. It makes a big difference. We've gotten new technology. Um, if you want to go to the YouTube, you can see the clips we've been uploading. We've been doing multi-cam clips, trying to you know show off some of the video elements of our podcast. And it's all because we've received donations from you guys. This sounds like a PBS commercial. Anyway, I've spoken too much. So I appreciate y'all listening. Everybody have a fantastic week. And we'll see you at the Mimosa stand-up show February 15th in Hollywood at noon. Bye-bye. The S.A.P.